Today, we are continuing the conversation on sleep. In my last podcast episode, I talked about why you need it. And today I'm talking about how to get it and more specifically how you can become a circadian master so that you can reap all the benefits that come from getting regular deep sleep. So let's get right into it. Hey guys, welcome to episode six of the Transform Your Prediabetes podcast, a place for women who are over 50 who have prediabetes and they are done with all the quick fixes out there and they are ready to take on life, to take on their life and truly heal in a natural, holistic and sustainable way. And I'm your host, Michelle Gornick-Hanning, and I'm back to continue the conversation on sleep and how you can leverage the power of sleep so that you can get the results that you are looking for. In my last podcast episode, I revealed transformational pillar number three, which was all about your circadian rhythm, what it is and how it impacts your sleep, your cravings and your metabolism and why it is a key component to getting your body to function the way it's supposed to. So if you missed that podcast, podcast number five, you may want to go check it out because it is a prelude to what I'm getting into today, which is all about becoming a circadian master. A circadian master is somebody who is in sync and aligns their daily actions with the rise and fall of the sun, which promotes deep, restful and restorative sleep, right? Sleep that gives the body time. time to restore and heal itself, which drastically improves the overall state of your health and well-being. So in order to master your circadian rhythm and get all of your body systems working together, you have to learn to sync your body's master clock to the cues in your environment. And once your master clock is set, it directs all your other clocks in your body, right? All the clocks in your organs and the cells of your body to work more efficiently. So to do this, I want to introduce what I call the circadian timeline, which starts from the moment that you open your eyes and until you fall asleep. And there are specific checkpoints along the timeline and things that you must do that so that you can anchor your body clocks properly. Right. I've been optimizing my sleep in this way for well over a year, and it has made such a big difference in how I feel every day. Okay, so let's get right into it with circadian checkpoint number one, which is your wake time and your morning routine. So your good night sleep starts here when you wake up in the morning. Most people think it's just a nighttime thing, but the morning is the most important circadian checkpoint, right? During which time you gotta get exposure to the sun, right? When you get up, it's important that you get up at the same time every day and expose yourself to bright light within 30 minutes of waking. And the best thing to do is to go outside in the powerful light of the sun, The light sets your circadian rhythm, telling your master clock that it's time to start the day, right? It sets your master clock, which then causes melatonin, your sleep hormone, to shut off, at which time you will have a normal rise in cortisol, which gives you energy to get going with your day. So you'll want to get sun exposure outside without sunglasses for at least 10 to 15 minutes, right? Sitting next to a window just isn't good enough. 
And if it's if it's cloudy outside, you just need to hang outside a little bit longer, maybe 15 to 30 minutes. For me, I get up super early, like at 4.30, and of course it's dark outside. So when I get up, I put all the lights on in my house. When I go in the bathroom, I turn on the overhead lights, the overhead lights in the kitchen get turned on, and in the dining room, essentially I just light up my house. And so when the sun rises, I take my dog out for a long walk, and this works really well for me. The more consistent you are with your sleep schedule, you know, getting up and going to bed, the more you will reinforce your biological rhythms, which means you have to stick to your wake up time as close as possible, right? Even on the weekends. The next thing that sets your rhythm is eating breakfast, right? Eating food is another circadian anchor point. If you can eat your food at this, you know, every morning at the same time, you will sink your pancreas to start making insulin regularly. Your stomach will, you know, get churned on, right? It'll churn on all of its digestive juices and your hunger hormone will be released and all predictably at the same time every day, right? Essentially, you're setting the rhythm for your body systems to work together. Another morning circadian anchor is exercise, right? Exercise in the morning stimulates the earlier release of melatonin, the hormone that makes us sleepy, and actually shifts the circadian rhythm forward, right? This shift, you know, this forward shift makes it easier for us to fall asleep earlier, right? And there's a double bonus, right? If you exercise outside in the morning sun, it's even better. So the second circadian point is midday, around lunchtime and the afternoon, right? You're going to want to go outside and get some more sun on your face. A study show that this decreases insomnia and helps you to actually get up earlier in the morning. And it really helps with an overall sense of alertness and well-being. People who get more sun during the day are generally happier and have less depression. And just like with the morning light, sunlight is best. And for me, working in the office all morning, then going outside at lunch is invigorating. It is, in essence, waking me up again, getting me ready for the afternoon. And I can really feel a dip in my energy and my mood when I'm super busy and I end up eating lunch at my desk and then just go right back to working again without going outside. But it's a really great day if I could actually eat lunch outside and then take a brief walk afterwards. And if I'm able to take a quick break and go out, you know, go outside after around at around three o'clock, that really helps me to finish my day strong. And I promise you, if you can break up your day like this, you will start to feel better. You'll be more alert and improve your drive to go to sleep at your bedtime. So speaking of sleep drive, right? The number one thing that blocks your desire to sleep is what is called sleep pressure, right? The number one thing that blocks it is caffeine. The longer you are awake, there's this chemical that builds up, right, throughout the day, which is slowly increases your sleep pressure, right? Your sleep pressure builds and builds and then pushes you to the point where you actually want to go to sleep at your bedtime. Well, caffeine directly blocks this chemical, which in turn decreases your sleep pressure. So when it comes time for bed, you just don't feel like it. 
So if you start to drag at work, the last thing you should do is make a Starbucks run, right? You don't want to have anything that has caffeine in it. In fact, stop drinking coffee, caffeinated tea, and energy drinks after like 12 o'clock, especially if you find yourself tossing and turning a lot at night. It may be a sign that you just have a bit too much caffeine on board. So if you do find yourself dragging in the afternoon, the best thing that you can do is get up, have a big glass of water and go outside for a few minutes in the sun and just move your body in space, right? It is, it's just so invigorating. It just, it really wakes you up. So if caffeine blocks your sleep pressure, right? Blocks your ability to go to sleep. What can you do to increase your sleep pressure? And the answer is exercise. If you are able to exercise in the afternoon or early evening, it can be a really good way to drive your sleep pressure and improve your quality of sleep. Just try not to have a vigorous exercise session too close to your bedtime, right? Do it at least three to four hours beforehand. Otherwise it can really, you know, ramp you up and interfere with you falling asleep. So the first and second circadian checkpoints are about getting up, getting as much light from the sun as possible and being active. But as we approach the evening time and the sun is going down, that's a cue for you to start to wind down, right? Enter circadian checkpoint number three, which is dinner time and then closing the kitchen. You'll want to have dinner early, at least three hours before bed, right? If you eat too late, like when the sun is going down, it confuses your internal clocks, right? As the day passes on and your body wants to wind down, right? It wants to prepare for sleep, repair, and restoration. Your master clock will see that the sun has gone down, which means, you know, it, you know, it wants to prepare the body to sleep. But if you eat late, your stomach gets activated, right? It's revving up the digestive system, right? And your digestion gets churned on and then your heart rate and your temperature and your body goes up and your body starts working. And when you, when really, you know, as you're getting closer to your bedtime, you want these processes to be shutting down, right? You want your heart rate to slow down and you want your body temperature to drop. And digestion is this very active process that interferes with falling asleep and getting deep sleep. So basically you're asking your body to digest food and at the same time to go to sleep, right? You're sending these mixed messages, which really messes with your body clocks. So my rule is eat dinner as early as possible and then close the kitchen. Just clean it up, clean it up and shut it down. All right. So we also got to talk about alcohol. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, you may or may not know that alcohol significantly interferes with your sleep. It can either make it hard for you to fall asleep or really knock you out. But even if you crash hard, your overall sleep quality will be poor. So meaning you will have deep less deep and REM sleep, which is where all of the physical and mental repair and restoration occurs. That's what we want. And also if you have untreated sleep apnea, alcohol and other sedatives just really makes it worse. So 
The key things to remember at this checkpoint is to eat at least three hours before your bedtime. And I would say limit alcohol intake altogether if you are having trouble with sleep. But if you do like to have a glass of wine with dinner, try to have it, you know, at least three hours before bedtime. For me, I usually will just have a cocktail on the weekends because I'm so busy with so much stuff going on during the week. I really need to be well rested and on my game. And I definitely notice when I drink during the week, I am totally dragging and I don't feel as productive. Okay, so finally, we're getting into the fourth circadian checkpoint on the timeline, which is your pre-bedtime routine. So whatever your bedtime is, right, you're going to want to stick to that every night. And hopefully it allows for seven to eight hours, I hope. (laughs) Just like your wake time, your sleep time needs to be consistent, right, to anchor your circadian clocks properly. And you should start to minimize your exposure to bright light. So if you recall in checkpoint number one, you want to wake up and expose yourself to bright sunlight to churn off your melatonin so you can wake up and start your day. Well, a few hours before you go to bed, you'll actually want to do the exact opposite. To get your own natural melatonin to come out and make you sleepy, your house should have dim lights only, right? Even a small amount of light coming from the TV screen, phone, or overhead lights is enough to tell your brain that you do not want to go to sleep. So you want sun and light exposure during the day, and you don't want to have as much light exposure in the evening, either from the sun or artificial lights. So I use light dimmers and amber bulbs. You can also use red bulbs. And I love having candles lit in the evening because it really creates a relaxing environment. And I also put a candle in the bathroom so I don't have to turn on the bright light when I go in to wash my face and brush my teeth before bed. And you want to really minimize the use of phones you know, tablets and computers, right? But if you do have to work, well, some people have to work in the evening, you can't avoid it, right? Change the brightness display on your devices, right? So that it's not like this big, bright blue light going right into your eyes, right? I know on Apple products, there's a night shift dimmer that can be set for specific times. Mine are all automatically set to go down to dim at about six o'clock. You can also use blue light blocking glasses if you have to work at night, which can be purchased pretty cheaply on Amazon. And my actual prescription computer station glasses have built in uh, like this built in blue liking filter technology built in. (laughs) So you can look into that, too. All right. So let's talk about some other things that you can do to set yourself up for sleeping success. Right. First, you need to cool your body down and get into a relaxed state. The drop in your body temperature is super important because it tells your brain that you're ready, right? You're ready for sleep and then it starts to increase melatonin production. And I think this is where we all need the most work, right? Doing too much in the evening stimulates your nervous system, right? So like when you're doing physical stuff like cleaning and organizing your house, right? Your body gets all hot and your heart starts beating a little faster because you're doing work. And then you try to go to bed. It's like, it's, it's going to be really hard to sleep. In fact, you probably won't even try at this point, right? Because you've sent a cue to your brain that you don't want to sleep, that you want to work. 
and the melatonin won't be coming out anytime soon. It just takes time. It takes time for your body to wind down and cool off. So the key is in the evening, right, after you've closed the kitchen, is to get yourself into a relaxed state, especially if you've had a stressful day. And stress and sleep play off of each other. If you're stressed and then you relax your body, you sleep better. And when you sleep better, you are less stressed. So just try to bring it down, right? Um, you can relax by taking a hot bath an hour or so before bed. And I love doing this with lavender essential oils. That's really nice. Or you can also do breathing or meditation exercises. And there are so many relaxation videos on YouTube, right? And also doing yoga nidra is a good one. So look it up. I sit in a dim room, right? A dim room with a cam candle sitting on my couch, sipping on a cup of chamomile tea in very light clothing. And oftentimes I'll listen to an audible book, nothing too intense, or I'll listen to some soft music. Okay. So the last thing is to prepare your bedroom. You need to create a space for your good night's sleep. And the number one thing that you need to do in your room is that you need to make sure that it is dark and you need to make sure that it is cool. Like you're going into a cave every night. And I had no idea how much these changes would improve my sleep. Well over a year ago, I started using a device called an Aura Ring to track my sleep. And it's a really cool device that tells you your hours in bed, the hours you actually slept, the amount of deep sleep or REM sleep you've had, and so much more, right? It also includes a sleep score based on a scale from zero to 100, right? I'll have to do a podcast on that sometime in the future. Anyway, so I started using the Aura Ring because I was feeling tired during the day and I wanted to figure out what was going on. So I thought I was getting good sleep. I really did. But then I got the data. <laughs> my sleep score was in the 70s. So like a C or C plus, right? My sleep drive and my REM sleep were horrible. And I was really restless. So the first thing that I did was I bought a an eye mask, right? Which blocked all the light coming in through my blinds. And then the second thing that I did was I started opening my window at night. <laughs> Mind you, I was the person who turned the heat on, right, before I went in the bedroom. So this was a huge shift for me. And so when I first started doing this, I would literally run in my room, jump on the cold sheets, pull up the blanket and shiver for a minute or two. But then to my amazement, I slept like a baby and my sleep score started going up. So the next thing I did was I got my computer out of the bedroom. I haven't had a TV in there for several years, but I got into a bad habit of bringing my computer in there. So I shut that down and my sleep scores went even higher into the 90s. And after doing this, I really, you know, I totally felt a difference in my energy the next day. I felt so much better. So anyway, while I'm having my chamomile tea and I'm winding down, as soon as I feel any pressure in my body to go to sleep, right, I go straight into my cool room, I put my face mask on, and rarely do I ever even remember hitting the pillow. And so 
what's important for you to remember that when you feel that first push to go to sleep or your head starts bobbing, you know what I'm talking about, do not wait, right? Go straight to bed. And that's really going to help to set your master clock. So what if you've tried everything, right? What if you've tried everything and you still can't get to sleep? This is where very small doses of melatonin might be useful, right? But always talk to your healthcare provider first before you try it. You may only need like one to two milligrams, right? I find that the sublingual form, the tablets that go under your tongue work the best. And I take it about 30 to 60 minutes, right? Before you go to bed, but make sure that you are ready, right? So I'm talking about the lights are dim, right? And you are in a calm and relaxed state. I have patients who are just, you know, taking higher and higher and higher doses of melatonin, trying to get to sleep. And it wasn't working because they really weren't prepared for sleep. It's super important. So before you take melatonin, make sure that you are preparing for sleep in all the ways that I just talked about, right? And then take very small amounts. And once you get into a good rhythm, then you don't need it anymore. So just stop taking it. Uh, magnesium is also super helpful. You should talk to your doctor about that one too, before you start taking it, but it really helps to relax the body and promote deep sleep. I take melatonin actually on most nights and I would avoid taking any strong sedative or addictive prescription medications like Sulpidem, you know, or other benzodiazepines like lorazepam or Valium because they really interfere with your sleep stages and can lead to cognitive impairments like fogginess and forgetfulness, right? And they are highly addictive, right? You should only use them, right, for very short-term acute situations. So like maybe someone passed away or something really bad happened and it's keeping you awake, right? Use it briefly and then get rid of it. The addictive quality of these medications cannot be understated, right? You start off with a sleep problem, but then you end up with a pill problem. All right, so the last thing that I want to talk about is minimizing your fluids, right? You want to start to decrease the amount of fluids that you're drinking towards the end of the day, right? Getting up to pee one to two times a night is super disruptive to your sleep cycle. And drinking too much fluids before bed will definitely increase the chances of that. And some people actually have water on their nightstand. So don't do it, right? Not only is it disrupting your sleep, but you're actually training your body to get up to pee every night, right? And then, so you have to break that habit, right? You have to retrain your body. <laughs> you have to do some adult potty training, okay? All right, so to dial in this fourth circadian checkpoint, you really wanna make sure that you turn off all bright lights and minimize your screen time. You wanna learn to relax your body and your mind prior to entering into your bedroom, right? You don't wanna have any, you don't wanna do any house chores or have any stimulating activity activities right before bed, right? And when you do go into your bedroom, you want it to be cool, and you want it to be dark. So your mission, if you choose to accept it, is to start making small changes at each 
of the circadian checkpoints that I have shared with you today. To start getting yourself ready for deep sleep during the day and creating an afternoon and evening routine that prepares your body for sleep. You'll want to do them consistently over time to really synchronize your body clocks. So don't just do it for a day or two or say it doesn't work. Give your body time to adjust and then start to notice how much better you feel. And you don't have to be perfect. If you want to go hang out with your besties and catch up and have a cocktail or two, you should. And if you want to go out dancing, go for it and have a good time. But as with all of the lifestyle changes that I talk about on this podcast, it's really what you do most of the time that has the greatest impact. So if you need a recap of today's podcast, please check it out on transformyourprediabetes.com and go to episode six. You will also find other information there, you know, that I talked about the aura ring that I use to optimize my sleep, as well as other links to stuff that I mentioned today. So until next time, have a transformational day.